What's going on guys? Take the world. I'm Hanato Melendez and today I got to sit down and talk to my buddy Joshua Bray. He's a veteran, an author, a musician, an artist. Man, this this guy is a genuinely good guy. He has a, a hell of a story where he battled uh, CTE, PTSD. Um, man, this it was such a good conversation that we had. Um, I got a lot of value from it, and I really hope you guys do too. Please enjoy my conversation with Joshua Bray. All right, guys, so I'm sitting here talking with Joshua Bray, and- What's up? Yeah, so he's a veteran, he's, um, he's an artist, he's currently making music, Yep. yep. Uh, recording an album, Yep. and man, I just wanted to talk to you, so quick backstory, I met this guy at the gym, We've had- It's our sanctuary. Yeah, yeah, it, we've had some good back and forth, some really um, 10 minute, really deep conversations. And so I wanted to get you on like a long form yeah. conversation. So uh, the floor is yours, man. Um, so just tell me like kind of growing up, where'd you grow up? How'd you grow up? What led you to the military type thing? All right, so yeah, really it started. Um, I grew up in, in San Antonio, Texas, and somewhere around three years old, we had moved from Arizona to Dallas to San Antonio. Arizona was where I was born, and San Antonio is pretty much where I spent my youth up until I graduated. In that time, my mom was inclined to have me go and learn how to sing and dance and pretty much just express myself in acting or any artistic endeavor. And I think, honestly, it's because that's what she wanted. I hated it. I was yeah. like, no, I didn't mind drawing it when teachers were talking to me. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't really care about anything else. I, I just wanted to go outside and play with my friends. And I couldn't. I had to go to singing and I had to go and dance and I had to go and do these little plays outside of school. Okay. But it paid off in the end. I ended up somewhere in my teenage years, I started listening to um, rock music. And after I graduated, I got to some bands and I started playing around in that. And uh, I met a woman. We ended up um, hitting it off pretty well. She was the sister to one of the band members. And we ended up getting married and she had kids. So I ended up joining the military. And it was like a sharp left turn from everything that felt natural to me. Yeah. So I ended up doing 10 years in the military. During that time, um, I was injured in combat. And um, I kind of snuck under the radar with that because I was in the Air Force, but I was a cop. And one of the things about being a cop in the Air Force was you had to do your job. And if anything impeded you from doing your job, you were completely shit on. That <laughs> was it. It was like straight up, you would go into some kind of janitorial job and yeah. everybody pointed at you as don't be that guy. And they try to kick you out. Yeah. So I knew from the get go, like, all right, cool. I just got to do my job, shut up and everything will be fine and I'll make it through my 20 years serving honorably. And I knew I was gonna be the best cop there was cause I wasn't a, a friendly kind of like, I, I wasn't friendly towards cops, but I wasn't angry towards cops. I just knew that they were always trying to get people in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, fuck that man, I'm gonna be a good cop. So I did, I spent my, my 10 years, even through injury, um, helping people. I don't think I wrote a single ticket, man. Mm. And if I had to, it was forced. Yeah, yeah. Know? But I did, um, I did my 10 years, I got out, and uh, you know, during that time after I got injured, um, I, I got a brain injury while I was downrange in Iraq, 
Um, we were on what's called a Romeo unit. And we were cruising around maybe anywhere between, I think like six to 25 miles off base. Um, when I was outside of the base, right outside the wire, I was in a Tiger unit. My primary weapon was a Mark 19. So I was a heavy gunner and I would ride the turrets the whole time I was in, in Iraq. I was in I was stationed in what they call Talil, or Camp Adder is what the army calls it, I think. Okay. But southern end of Iraq. And my job was to help escort convoys on Tampa and provide security. Um, kind of see what was going on out there, have a presence. And somewhere in that collection of months, um, there were like five incidents that were pretty scary. Um, one of them rocked me. And it was, we got shot at, when I was swiveling around in the turret, we went over what's called a wadi, which is a, an irrigation canal, and um, it almost knocked me out of the, the turret, knocked me out, mm. uh, messed up my spine. You hit your bad. head? Yeah. Okay. Um, when I woke up, <laughs> I didn't know where I was, man. I was in this, what they call, what I call the dock in a box. Uh, it looked like a walk-in closet, and that's when everything started to, to change in my life. Um, from that moment on, I hit everything, because they were like, we're gonna try and send you home, you know, but they couldn't send me at that moment because there was an attack going on. Yeah. So I got to hang out for 24 hours, and during that 24 hours, um, they had to keep me up, and I was sitting in this hot spot. I think we watched Batman, played some video games. But after that point, I still had that in my mind that, you know, it's just a concussion, or just a, I was just knocked out for a moment, you know. Um, what I didn't realize was there was some real damage going on, even my back, but I toughed it out, and then uh, two weeks later, I ended up going home anyways because the woman I was married to at the time had a heart attack. Oh wow! So I flew home and that kind of helped me minimize who knew about what happened to me and I just brushed it all under the table. Okay. So when I came back I didn't have to do too much. Yeah, yeah. To prove all right. it. Alright, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna backtrack, okay. but you said a lot. So I'm gonna like dissect it a little bit and just because some of this stuff is gonna be um, I think it's really worth hearing again. So you went from like performance arts, like yeah. performing arts, you join the military, um, you're in the military, you get injured, you're, you're already like, like you said, like you're trying to be a good person, you're right. trying to help people out as much as possible, um, you weren't being like an asshole MP that right. pulls people over for five over the limit. Like, that was my first ticket ever. Yeah, My man. first ticket ever was on base, <laughs> and I was going like five over, and it was it, it was just shitty. Yeah. But, um, so, all right, so you get injured. You, you're already minimizing it. Yeah. And for the sake of, like, I want to stay in. I, I was wanna... scared, man. I was scared for one that I was going to lose everything that I was working towards because I just got a family. Yep. Um, we had just put it together. I adopted. Well, I, I wouldn't say because I didn't actually fill out any paperwork to adopt them, but um, they might as well be mine. Yeah, if you're raising them, you but adopt yeah, them. Yeah, they were yep. they were my my babies, you know? Yep. And everything after that moment, I was like, I can't be injured. I can't have any problems. I can't be in some lower end of the job and lose everything that I have. So I was immediately like thankful that I got out of the, the situation I was in so they couldn't like keep asking or a probe on it and I was the one that was in control of whether or not I went to the hospital so I didn't okay and I didn't know yeah you know and then the complications started okay so yeah so now you go you go home um wife had a heart attack yeah 
And so what happens? Like what? what so then I up? had to minimize even more. I was like, my injuries don't even matter because now I have to worry about this. And she suffers from lupus anyways. So she yeah. has complications back and forth. Once all that kind of blew over, um, I was just trying to ride the wave out. And you know, it was nice at work. People had heard that um, some stuff happened, but it was all good information that had flowed back down the channel. So even uh, my commander at the time, who really didn't like anybody, um, she was cool with me. Whenever I'd see her, she actually would say hi to me. She'd ask how my day was. So my life seemed really good. But outside of that, I was completely terrified. The world had shrank. I was having nightmares. I was hypervigilant. I was constantly on, and I was getting angrier by the minute. And I was constantly afraid something was going to happen. Mm. Like I was going to get blown up or there was an attack. All right. so. And this is, this is like, this is not speaking from experience at all. Um, this is research that I've heard, I've done. I do a lot of like medical stuff, like just personal training stuff. And I think about the brain and I'm always on podcasts listening to shit like that. Um, did you feel like a switch go off? Man. Like even, yeah, yeah. Even though like you were trying to minimize it, did you have this like, did you have any idea that like I'm starting to look at life differently and I don't know why, but then maybe years later you realize like maybe it was the brain. Maybe yeah, it was the, I guess it wouldn't be a switch though. Cause it was, uh, so I, um, being in a, in that cop atmosphere too, and being overseas, we were in Germany at Ramstein. Okay. Um, we had a sense of family with our, um, uh, with our flights. And so a lot of us, when our days were off, we were on a Panama schedule. Panama schedule. When our day off would um, have like a weekend or a couple of days, we were always drinking. And I drank, man. I drank myself to where I didn't have to because I didn't want to have nightmares. Yep. So I was like trying to drink myself to pass out. And I noticed that things were going on because I was more aggressive. And I was like, nope, this is just how I got to be now as a cop. And I was more inclined to be like, hey, if there's a fight at the E-Club, call me. You know, mm. let me go. I was more, I, w I was approaching confrontation a little bit more aggressively rather than intelligently and trying to, um, I, I think during those times I was really, I didn't have any clue how bad things were inside of me. Okay. They were just coming out and I was very aggressive and angry. Yeah. But it wasn't until um, I think I got stationed here, which was like six years, no, not even six years, like four years later. Okay. Maybe, maybe I am right. Maybe it was six years. But when I got stationed here in uh, 2012, so that would be, let's see, I left, I got stationed at Andrews in 2008 and then came here in 2012. So in 2012, um, I started to notice something was going on. And it was my, at the time, my kids were really asking me. They were big enough now. They were in high school. They were really asking me what was going on. And I, I don't know, something turned around. I, I stopped drinking um, a couple of years prior to this, and I just started getting to this point where I was, I was done dealing with the nightmares. I was done dealing with everything internally, and I needed to talk about it. And they asked me, they were like, have you ever thought about going to the counselor? And I had tried a couple of times, but when I went in there, I just couldn't find myself talking. I was too nervous that something bad would happen to my career. Yep. But then I couldn't take it anymore. And I finally just said, you're right. So I went in and I did. I just went to my first sergeant and said, hey, look, I've been hiding this since it happened and I'm gonna go talk about it with the counselor. I'm sure something's gonna happen because it affects me. 
And I told her everything. I was like, the nightmares. Here's what I saw. Yeah. This is yada, yada, yada. And she was like, yeah, you should definitely go talk to a counselor. So I went. And that's the real beginning to one, like opening myself up and then really just going right back into the worst. Because when that happened, everything came back, but it was crystal clear and I could see mm. it all and I almost committed suicide. Man, so I, I don't wanna like, I'm, I'm not trying to cut you off. Um, and I kind of like just left it at a cliffhanger of like you you saying yeah, I, almost, yeah. I almost committed suicide. But then all the not, yeah, that's not funny. Yeah, yeah, afterwards. yeah. There was such a big change after. But um, so like not combat related. So my mom passed away. I was the one that found her there. Um, it was a tough morning for me. Something that I never forgot. I have nightmares about it. Um, my NCO forced me to go see a counselor. And the first time I went into to behavioral health, I didn't even say a word. Yeah. I didn't even say anything. Like I didn't know what to say. I was 21, so I was like, I was probably like a PFC E3. Yeah. I was an E3, and there was no way that like my army career could end at that moment. Right, man. I and uh, yeah. and so like I really like bottled up, and I didn't say anything to him. And the guy, the the therapist, he knew something was bad. Yeah. And so he was like, look, I want to see you in two days and we're going to have another hour session. And so he brings me back in these two days and I, I don't know who he contacted or what he taught, whoever. But he just told me, like, look, you need to tell me what's going on because it looks worse than it might be. Yeah. And so I told him and I broke down and I cried. Right. And it was the first time that I had cried about my mom passing. Uh, she passed when I was 18. It was probably the first time I cried about her passing in three years. Yeah. And he like, opened, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he opened it up and he made me talk about things. And so I'm super, super pro therapy, pro oh, yeah. seek help, pro. Yeah. So yeah, sorry to interrupt. I just had to, I wanted to put no, that in perfect. because it's it really so. Is. If you are at all in a place right now of confusion, anything that's bothering you or you know that you've dealt with something in the past and you just you can feel that it's in there somewhere and it's probably going to come back up allow it to come to the surface in a place of therapy go yep. to a place where you can talk to a therapist or even get out in nature and just try and analyze it yourself if you're comfortable about yeah. handling your problems by yourself man i'm so like i'm so open on on my podcast and on my social media and on everything about like my my experiences with drinking and like mm -hmm. trying to get through the night and like thinking about it as like one night at a time yeah like if i just get if i get drunk enough tonight to not think about anything we can try again tomorrow right and yeah. and, no, and so <laughs> so yeah go ahead man so it opens up the floodgates it, or not the floodgates it opens up like all the emotions that you were holding back yeah. um you you almost committed suicide yeah Thank God you didn't. So um, that was the hard part was I got into therapy and I couldn't take holding it in anymore. And I knew it was eating me up. Everything was eating me up. And so when I started talking about it, he wanted to go further into it. So we started doing um, like a, a recall where I would walk through step by step the things that I could remember, the bad things. We even did some cool like good things just to kind of kickstart the memory mm -hmm. um, and really started identifying triggers and things that I could see that was happening in real life. One of my biggest triggers is as a cop and then being um, downrange of some of the trainings in between 
I guess all around. Yeah, yeah. It taught me to be aggressive on the road. Um, but trash was a big deal downrange, and there was trash that sometimes would blow up, sometimes it wouldn't, you know? Yep. So trash became an, a trigger for me, and when I would pull up at a stoplight, if I'd see some trash, I instantly was like, oh shit, you know? Mm. It could be the smallest little cup with no wires or anything, yeah, but it yeah. instantly brought me back to it. Yep. So that was all the beginning, and because that was all at the beginning, it was all super sharp and super in focus for me, and then everything was identifying. I was able to see things that were really bothering me, but they were way too close to me and I wasn't able to handle it. And it was all at once. And it was like, I dove right back into hell. Like I barely crawled out of it and I could see that this wasn't gonna be my life. And then I was like, damn it, I have to actually face this. Mm -hmm. You know, and the counselor was like pushing me back in and like, you have to go through the other side. So figuratively, I dove back into it. And um, I, when I got to the worst of it all, I did. I sat on my bed. I had my shotgun in my mouth, and that was it. I, it's 30 seconds, and I was crying, and I just said no. Instead, I came to the gym, and on the Air Force Academy, and I was like, I'm gonna work out until I can. I can't even move. So I was here for like six hours, mm. and then I finally came home, and I just passed out. No nightmares. No nothing. I don't think I even dreamt that night. I just remember waking up the next day feeling still hollow inside yeah yeah but i felt like i had expended all that energy and i didn't feel the need to want to do that again yep so sure. that was the first thing i did i was like i'm just gonna go back and then i just kept doing it and eventually i started getting into this place where i was like you know what the more that i come here the more that i work on this the more i'm releasing this stress that's bothering me and then i kept going to counseling and i kept doing both Yep. And eventually working my way up into artistic expressions and endeavors that I could use as outlets to now finally from, I got retired in 2014, 2013 was when I really started acknowledging what happened to me and the traumas. Um, and that was when I was about to commit suicide. And now we're in 2019 and I am about to do a whole launch of my book which is like a mix of Alice in Wonderland meets The Nightmare Before Christmas meets Stephen King's It. Mm. And it's called mm. Land in Brary and the Land of Nod. But it's all about my nightmare, you know? But in a really creative way, I made this dreamdom where I could pour all these traumas and, and events that these experiences that haunted me or bothered me or I needed to work out. They were like something that I needed to get through. I <laughs> literally I would just torment my characters with it and kind of get perspective, zoom away from the problem, from the problem or mm. the issue and see it. And now my book has become the first in a series that has all of that. And it's such a huge imaginative place for me um, that really had helped me, has helped me heal that it's inspired me to keep going into these artistic endeavors into making music. And now I'm at this point where I'm writing an album, which I haven't been in the studio since I'm 38 now and I haven't been in for 20 years. Yeah. And I'm like, it's, it's a whole new world, but all the things I have that have happened in life have now brought me to the most authentic moment where I can express them both in things like this, forums where I can talk to people and say, you know, there are ways to get past suicide and ways to work through your issues and also use art to express how much it hurt me or mm. how I've learned or what I've grown from. And so what you said about like the fitness um, or like going to the gym and essentially like as cliche as this might sound like going to the gym that day Might have saved your life. Oh, it definitely did. 
It definitely did. And I, you know, I'll backtrack on that too, because at that time I was so unhappy with myself. Um, the, the experiences that I've had and some of the moments of combat left me in a place where I didn't like looking at myself in the mirror anymore. Mm. Um, it made me feel like I had done something that was really against myself. Uh, and I, I had to, to fight through those nightmares and stuff, and I put on a lot of weight. Um, by 2013, I was 285 pounds of just pure unhealthiness. Okay. And uh, so going into the gym was like also that kickstart of changing myself physically, but allowing myself to uh, transform mentally as well. Yeah, and I mean, the gym, dude, uh, you know, you go. It really does help you. As I, I have gone on this elliptical. When I first started, dude, I would get on the elliptical. I had a, an Under Armour hoodie that was gray. It was a Wounded Warrior Project double XL Under Armour hoodie that I would throw the hood over my face. This long-ass, gross-looking beard, you know, because <laughs> every guy who gets out of the military grows a beard. Yep. And I would cry, man, while I was working out because I'd think of all the crap that was going on, all the shit that I did, the things that bothered me. What I, and I lost everything. I lost my family. I lost my house. I lost my career. I lost the money. When they retired me, I didn't even get paid for like six months, I think. Actually, that's not true. I think I got paid 600 bucks a month. But my mortgage was like 2200 bucks. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I was, I was in this just miserable place trying to get into school and trying to get the money to come back around i lost it all man so and the gym saved me <laughs> yeah well you know what like all right so there's there's two things and the first one is like i a hundred percent accredit um the gym for saving my life if i didn't lose that weight when my mom passed I wouldn't have joined the military and I wouldn't be sitting right here. Right. Um, I wouldn't have my wife. I wouldn't have my son. I wouldn't have anything. Um, the other thing is that feeling of, uh, my mom passed when I was 18. I'm 24 now, six years. I've probably had, I want to say four nights, four nights where it was so overwhelming that I had to tell somebody else yeah. that if, if like the last time and, and I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm not ashamed of this, but this is one of those things. Um, I was sitting in my car right in front of the house and I was having a breakdown and I told my wife, she needs to take the key from my gun safe and hide it because no matter what happened, if she fell asleep, I would kill myself. And I, I but I, but I had to be able to sit there and express that. Yeah. Because if that, I wasn't, man, that's, yeah, yeah. If, that's if, smart though that you, yeah. you were able to say like I, I'm not right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, you can trust her too. That's a good thing too because you mm -hmm. have somebody you can trust that you could say, hey, I need help. We're like yep. right now, I need help. Well, yeah, and that's that's the thing is like a lot of times. Um, and this is something that, that I really like, I like to hit on that you said about like, you, you gained weight, you were depressed, you were, you know, whatever. Um, a lot of guys, and I'm not saying this is you, but I, I'm almost gonna say like, I was guilty of it in the beginning. A lot of guys, when they get medically separated or they get retired or whatever, they almost like identify as their disability. 
Man, you're right. I did, dude. I did. Boom. Talk about it, man. You because are so right. I, because so so real quick before you go. So like, when when the doctors told me like, oh, you shouldn't be working out. Oh, you shouldn't do this. Like, literally, my left arm, I I could not hold my 15 pound son on my left arm. Right. And if I did, my leg would go numb. My arm would go numb stuff like that and so I felt defeated in the same way that you were saying like I was like no 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 what if I have to re-enlist to provide for my family what if what if I have to just suck it up for four more years or yep. whatever it is because like and and same thing like I wasn't ready to get out right I was like man I got these plans and there's certain milestones right. yeah. in the military that I wanted to and do kids kids will take well, that too yeah. be like I cannot fail my kids well, and that's the thing, like I, I told you um, just talking in passing that like I, I worked a bullshit job the minute I got out of the army before I got off of my 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 uh, my my separation leave. I was already working a bullshit job and my wife had to tell me, like, you don't you don't go from one job that you weren't enjoying and you were struggling mentally. Into and it. jump into another job that you're not enjoying and yeah. you're jumping. But go ahead. So identifying no, right. with your disability. And she's right about that too. I mean, that would put you right back into another place of disposition where you're now negatively reflecting on your life. Instead of being like, oh, I'm so happy I'm doing this. You're mm. like, I'm only doing this because I have to or because you feel like you have to. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like mine, <laughs> the, the problem that I, I found was my modesty really gets in the way and it does for a lot of people who serve in the military because someone will hold the door open and they'll be like i appreciate your service and a lot of us are like thank you same thing with an injury mine is brain damage and it's ptsd and ptsd let me make this very clear i get this all the time um, when people find out that i went downrange and that some shit happened to me and they're like oh yeah ptsd you know and they're like yeah, I have it too, but yours is way, way different. Like yours is like they almost want to say mine is real and that theirs because society has deemed Man, can that I, combat makes it. Can I tell more? you? Can it's I tell not. you something? Yeah. So literally, um, I'm going to a therapist. I'm explaining to the therapist that um, the only memory that I'm having of my mother is the day I found her as she passed away. Yeah. And like the, on a loop. Yeah, yeah, on a loop. Like that was whenever I would think back to my mom, that's what I would think of. I would fall asleep at night and I would have this thought that I was gonna wake up in the morning and that's what would what I would see. Yeah. And and um I'm not gonna get into the detail yeah. of how it happened. That's PTSD. Yeah, yeah. But so when they told me that I had PTSD, I looked the therapist in the eye and said, I've never been to combat. Right, I know. Oh so, my God. so that's literally, so that's literally like I'm, I'm an exact example yep. of what you're saying. Yep. Is like I was like, no, 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 I, I can't have PTSD. Yeah. And and he's like, well, why can't you? And I was like, I've never deployed. I've never, I've never done anything that would warrant PTSD. And it took me a while to even like be comfortable enough to right. say like, yes, I have PTSD. It's just not what society thinks when they hear it. Yeah, you know? and that has to change. That's a stigma that I really combat a lot, especially when I when I meet somebody that's like you, that does that to me. I, I, I it's almost now where I'm like, 
I almost say I have PTSD and PTSD is just trauma. So if you have trauma, we all have yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. But I, I encountered that and during that time, um, going back into identifying myself as somebody, yep. I lost my career, you know, um, which was really just a, a blessing in disguise. Yeah, yeah, for But sure. I lost my career, so I lost my identity as uh, a person affiliated with the military. Yep. In the Air Force, we call them troops. And the, the Marines, they're just Marines. I don't know what they're called in the Navy, if, if they're a seaman, but seaman. Yeah. soldiers. <laughs> Soldier. and everybody yeah, yeah. knows what a soldier is. Yeah, yeah. So I identified, I, I was a soldier, you know, for the Air Force. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And when that was gone, it was because of, I finally said, look, this, this happened to me and this was going on. And they were like, we're going to retire you because obviously you're damaged. You can't be in anymore. Yep. We can't have you in. So then I was like, I'm a damaged soldier. I'm a damaged veteran. Mm. And veteran is the title they give you once you retire. You're a retiree or a, a veteran once you've served, you're a veteran. Yep. So I was like, damn, I'm that veteran. But then I was also going through all the crap. So I was both disgruntled. Yep. And I was identifying myself as a fucked up veteran, like I was wounded. And yeah. when I got inducted into the Wounded Warrior Project, I was able to then say, I'm a wounded warrior and a combat veteran. And I identified with that for a while because I was trying to reach out to other brothers and sisters and be like, hey, you know, I too got the shitty end of the stick here, yep. you know, or this has happened, or I see that you've got like the way worse and I want to be there to be part of your group too because I don't feel like there's anybody. Yeah, yeah. So during all that time, I was really searching for who I was, who I could fit in with. You know, I, I would go to the VA a lot and I'd hear the same shit from like Vietnam. They had guys doing the same stuff that I'm doing today. Yeah, yep. You know, and they're like so immersed into what's going on and what the docs are telling them they're capable of doing and not capable of doing that their lives were just miserable. Mm. And mine was turning that way. Bro. And I, I was like, I'm not gonna be that anymore. Man, so I, yeah, and, and I love that. And I'll side note, um, I'm not gonna say any names. I had a friend, um, colleague, I had a colleague. Um, I like that colleague, that's better. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, had, we had a conversation one day because um, he got separated from mental health stuff. Yeah. And, and, um, I was talking to him and I was like, look, man, like you need, and, and at the time I wasn't taking my own advice yeah. because I was drinking every day. I was whatever, but I saw this little, like, I hope that when people hear me talk about life, they see that I have a fire for like trying to help others. Yeah. And more of the time I care more about helping others than I do myself. And so that's why, like, I don't take my own advice sometimes, you know? Like, I see myself in someone else and I want to help them. And so I'm having this conversation with this guy and he starts, like, spewing basically like a military profile. Yeah. Like, why he can't do certain things. Yeah. And I'm like, look, man, like, it doesn't matter what the fucking doctor says. If you feel like you can go climb a mountain... Go climb the fucking mountain, man. Dude, yeah, that is and, exactly right. And 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 so like it was just you so. You gotta live. Yeah, it was so hard for me, and it was like literally, man. Like I said, like I felt like I was talking to what I saw was inside of me, right, yeah. where I was already like throwing myself down this hole of like, oh, you're getting separated. Oh, you're injured. Oh, you're not good enough. Um, 
But I was telling him this and like, it was like talking to a brick wall. Yeah. And I was like, look man, like I promise you that nobody is gonna fucking stop you from enjoying your life. No. It's, it's, but it's up to you to create that. Yeah. And if you're not willing to, like a lot of people, they're like, woe is me, life is hard, da 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 da. And don't get me wrong, like I, I've been there, done that. I know when fucking life is hard. But to paint this picture of like, oh, because I'm hurt or because I have this going on that I can't try, at least try to live a better life. That That's really why I wanted to talk to you, man. Because like I said, before we got started recording, like you're one of the few guys and it's a shame that I can say you're one of the few guys because it should be all of us yeah. that can get out of the military and see the better afterwards does it happen immediately fuck no no man it took years and I, yeah and for some you know what um i'll say this there was there was a lot of inspiration along the way to continue trying to find positive outlets and to try and pull myself away from that identity as a wounded warrior and veteran and as a person who was in the military but just as a, a human being and how i want to interact in this this life now and how I want to feel, because I don't want to feel like I can't look at myself. I don't want to feel like I want to blow my head off. I don't want to feel like I have any hate or animosity towards anybody anymore either. Yep. Because all of that is a trigger. It inspires me to, to be miserable, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I saw this guy um, somewhere in the middle of this this collection of years, and I was like, man, I really, you know, I like felt like I hit a plateau of sorts while climbing up the mountain of life. And I was like, I just, I, I'll find inspiration again. And I'm looking and I'm looking and I see this picture and it's a bad picture, dude, it's horrible. It's of this Marine, I think he's a Marine. He could be in the army. This dude got blown up and in his mindset, he was like, I want everybody to know that I still believe my life is gonna go on. Right after he got blown up, he asked his buddies, and I'm sure he's in shock and stuff, but mm -hmm. he's clear enough to say, take a picture. The motherfucker is smiling with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Man. And I was thinking to myself, the doc told me because I got rattled in a, in a little thing, in a little turret years ago that I can't lift heavy or I can't do pull-ups and I can't climb these, these rocks like I used to. Mm. And I was like, this motherfucker got blown up and said, take a picture of me smiling with a cigarette. And he's all bloody and everything. And I said, if that dude can do that, I can climb up this rock. So I started. And I started doing things that I knew I had to be careful while doing them, but I wasn't gonna let anything stop me from trying to have a positive experience in life. And that is where the healing begins. Because when you shift your life into a positive direction, you find outlets to, to work your traumas through or handle those moments of fear, because fear is a big deal. When you get put into a position like you did losing your mom yep. and you're playing that loop, you're fearful of that, of repeating that same feeling, of seeing that same thing and having that same thing happen. Yeah. And that has to be to be beaten. The way that you do that, for a while, the way that I did that yep. was through art and then really choosing to be, to interact in positive things. Yeah. So coming to the gym, doing, yep. you know, meeting people um, for coffee, going to group therapy. Yep. Going to individual therapy. <laughs> Man, so, so one thing, um, Podcasting has become way more therapeutic for me yeah. than like I ever expected. And I and and if nothing ever comes out of it and I get five listeners every episode, 
at least I get to speak my truth to something. You know what I'm saying? No, that's a, and that's a good thing because those five people, 10 years from now, could all reach some place in their life where this conversation or something that you've had in a podcast comes back and they're like, I'm going to do something different. Yeah. And then maybe they change the world, yeah, man. Yeah. It doesn't take much. And that whole thing about um, every, the popularity of life yeah, yeah. really doesn't mean anything because when you're comfortable, and I learned this after finding some comfort in being myself again, after being in love with who I am again, when you're comfortable with that, you don't have to be the most popular person exactly. anymore. You just have to spread that positive vibe and encourage it to grow around you. Yeah, well, so... That's some hippies. No, 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 you're good. No, and, and I believe it, man. Like, I'm such a... Dude, I was having a conversation the other day, and I was like, look, man, like, I grew up in, in a tough situation, and I grew up in a place where, like, there was a lot of violence and fights and stuff like that, and I grew up in an alcoholic household, and, like, so I was very accustomed to, like, getting smacked in the mouth or like you talk shit at the bus stop you get punched in the fucking head yeah and now that i've oh, grown yeah, up that way yeah yeah you know <laughs> but then like i've grown up that way and then now i'm like man i don't ever want confrontation with anyone because i know where that leads yeah and so i'm trying to be a good person and i want to be like a happy person but something you said that almost like knocked me into like i was sitting in a therapy again um me and my brother were at my wedding and we were talking. And, you know, like I said, uh, growing up wasn't the easiest um, with my mother. But me and him started talking while we were playing pool. And he said, you know what, man? I forgot how many cool things we did as kids. And I, when he told me that I was gonna cry, and I'm getting emotional thinking about it now. That's okay. But um, when I was in therapy and my therapist was like, all right, so you're having this problem. You're reliving this thought. Can you tell me something good that happened in your childhood? And I was like, man, this is the only memory that I can hold on to. And he's like, no, 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 man. Tell me about a birthday. Yeah. Tell me about a Christmas. Tell me about something. And the reason why I'm saying that is because most of the time when something bad happens to people in life, whether it's you get injured, whether you're losing your career, whether you're losing your family, whatever it is, you get so caught up in that negativity mm -hmm. yep. that you almost forget that you ever had good times. And I'm guilty of this. And so, like, I remember this. There's this more to that. There's more. You... You almost you you forget about the good times because you're so focused on that negativity negativity, but you're also now tuning into more negativity. Like yep. you're not as happy, so you don't really feel like you want to smile with some of the other people who are out there smiling because mm. you're like, I'm not happy about this right now. I don't have time for that. I'm pissed. Yep. You know, and well, so you start diving into that. Well, the thing is, like, so uh, me and my wife were talking, and I was like, Look, man, I'm really gonna stop drinking. I want to spend more time with my son. I want to do more things like because I was so like homebody. I was so like mm -hmm. sit on the couch and yeah. get drunk. Um, so <laughs> I go outside one day and I'm wearing flip flops and I go outside and I'm watching my son just run around. He's playing by himself and he's having the time of his life. And he keeps saying like, Daddy, look at this. Daddy, look at this. Da da da. And so randomly, I'm like, you know what I used to do as a kid? 
I used to walk in the grass barefoot. Yeah, man. And and I'm not gonna get into the hippy dippy grounding thing that it I works. researched. That's yeah, real. yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Real. <laughs> but it was like I I took my flip flops off and I put my feet in the grass and I started walking around. And I swear, man, and I'm not making this up. I had the biggest smile that I had had on my face yep. in years. And it was because one, I felt good. The sun was out. The grass was, you know, nice and green. But my son was in the background laughing and having a good time and I wasn't drunk. And so I, I could remember that moment and I could, if I had to paint a picture of it right now, it wouldn't look great, but I could every, <laughs> every, every single detail, you know, every single detail of that moment, I can remember because it was like, damn, man, yeah. this is what I've been missing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are those moments. So, and I'm going to tell you right now, anytime while I've been going through this healing process, any moment where I had that sense of presence and peace, when I was actively present in the moment, whether it be remembering a memory and simultaneously feeling that, mm. you know, because I'm doing something similar, I tried to, to make it last forever. Yep. You know, feel it, like feel how good I felt instead of how anxious I would normally feel. Or like when I'd be around people and I knew I was miserable and I'd put on the fake smile, you know, yep. which a lot of us, so many of us are always walking around with this mask of, of bullshit on, you know what I mean? Yep. And when I would get to these authentic moments of just like, one, a recollection of, of something youthful that was fun or just being present and peaceful, it made me feel like that's how life is supposed to feel. And I remembered that from a kid. There was like less to worry about as a kid. Yeah. Obviously life gets more complex as you get older. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, I just think that, like you said, like it, it, there's something that like I tell people all the time and it's like when bad things are happening in your life, what do you compare it to? Right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like when How people do you combat that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and and so like I remember and I I don't remember the song. I don't remember the artist. I don't remember like whoever. No, you know what? I do remember the artist, but that doesn't matter. He said, um, when people say life is hard, what are they comparing it to? Mm -hmm. Because like whoever told you that life was easy, but growing up and then as an adult. You, you get like punched in the mouth a few times with by life. And um, you start to realize like, man, like this isn't as easy as my mom made it look oh, or yeah. as, you know, whatever. But one thing is, is like, I'm a firm believer in like, you control that because yeah. there's, all right, so like you work out, most of the people that listen to this either have some sort of health or some sort of like whatever, so here's the, the, the question, right? So like your nervous system reacts to stress, right? Yes. But what makes something a stressor? So like if you it's go your to- perspective. Yeah, yeah, it's your yeah. perspective, exactly. So some people- Or it could be something that's painful. Like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Say but, somebody's beating you, you're gonna be like, I'm but, stressed. But yeah. what I'm, yeah, exactly. But what I'm saying is like, so for example, there's this like, average thing around the world that like you have a drink at dinner mm -hmm. and you have a drink at nighttime and that's when you relax and you wind down or whatever but like i'd willing i'd be willing to place a bet that most people find spending time with their children stressful 
I would agree. I think that that's. I feel you know, a lot after, of people I see around with kids are stressed out. Yeah, I just well, saw like, somebody today that was stressed yeah, out. Well, like after a long day of work, mm-hmm. you want to come home. You, your kids are running around being kids, and you react differently towards them. And I'm guilty of that. I'm when I was in the military, I would have panic attacks when my son would cry in the middle of the night, and I would wake up. I already had sleeping problems. Yeah. But I would like just fall asleep enough and then he'd wake up. And and it almost got to the point where I was upset. Yeah. I was upset that a one year old was crying. And I had to tell my wife, like, look, this is bad. I'm already in therapy. Like, I had to reevaluate what I was doing and how that I thought of things. That happens a lot. And yeah, I'll yeah. tell you as a cop, um, when I was in the military as a cop, I had to handle a few cases of um, domestic disturbances. Some were mm-hmm. child-related, some were just between couples. Yep. And uh, the stress that the military brings alone is enough to drive people crazy. Yep. Which is why I think a lot of the times, they, they, most of the time that I, well, how do I say this? When I was a young airman for like that first enlistment, Yep. And people were all getting married and they were having their relationships. Mm-hmm. Almost everybody who was in charge was like, stop doing that. You know, don't get into a relationship when you're overseas. Don't get into a relationship. Just work your job and focus, you know. And I almost think that we're all like in this rush to start a family and do all those things that a lot of us that we join the military, we get the family going and we feel like we're accomplishing life. But we're really stressed out because it's not the direction we intended to be. Yeah or to go in or it's not something that's really making us happy what we're really doing is just further stressing ourselves out Mm. I did that myself I pushed myself into places that I knew I wasn't happy about and smiled anyway yep you know because I was like fuck man you gotta grin and bear it people are out there working jobs that are way worse than me and people are dying and doing things and I I have a good life you know Mm -hmm. I have a family I have a house I have money coming in you know, I'm living the American dream compared to what I had seen, too, with some people who didn't even have houses. They lived exactly. in sticks. Yep, yep. You know? And so I was like, fuck, man, just grin and bear it, take it all. But really, when it comes down to life, your body will tell you with your feelings. If you feel good doing whatever works you're doing, whether that's art, whether it's a sport, whether it's in the military, whether you're a doctor or uh, a NASA scientist, yeah. whatever your works are in this world, if it calls to you, if you feel it, that's the only thing you should be doing. And I know some people out there are lazy and they don't have that same desire. I'm speaking to the ones that have the passion to try and do something. Mm. Those people that have that and that may feel like they're in the wrong place, I tell you right now before you go any further and stress yourself out, take the, the left turn, take the right turn, get out of that stressful place and start using your body and how those anxieties alert you yep. as sensors to what you're doing in life, you know? Find something that makes you happy. And then your reaction with your environment, like when you came home, it, you might not be as stressed out. You might actually be more inclined to have more of a caring nature because you felt like instead of working all day, or even if you were working, it's satisfying. But instead of working all day, you were doing something you really liked. Well, I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm considering this work. Like, right? <laughs> this makes you feel good Yeah, too, yeah, like done. that's the, the funny right. part is like I just... My son has an appointment at three because he flipped out at the dentist. And like, so he has to go back. 
And I told my wife, like, damn, well, I have two podcasts scheduled for today. Yeah. And I got to make it work. And she's like, all right, well, go before and da-da-da. And thankfully, you were able to work it with me. But um, but see, at the end of this day, this will be one of those things, too, that you come back to and you're like, I accomplished what I need to. And it feels good because it's what you wanted to do. Exactly. And then let's say your son wakes up in the middle of the night. You might have just been like, man, I'm so happy today. And then you'll be in there even more loving and gentle. Yeah, and like, exactly. Hey, it's all right, buddy. And then you're awake and you're thinking about something happy instead of, oh, shit, I got to go to this job I, I hate. Or I got to pretend again. Man, and pretending. Yeah. I, I could get on that. That's a man, whole other well, podcast. Yeah, yeah, it is. And <laughs> I, and we'll definitely do we'll definitely do another one. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to get into the creative. And okay. you kind of like, damn, you, I mean, you segued it better than I could. Um, but yeah, it, it took my wife telling me that I did not have to work a job that I didn't want to, that I, that I didn't feel fulfilled in yeah. for me to ever think about like doing a podcast or like taking, you know, life a little, and this is going to sound weird, but I had to take life a little less serious. Yeah. yeah. I, I grew up yes. I grew up in an environment where like I remember as a kid watching my mom cry while paying bills. Yeah. I remember watching my mom drink herself to sleep almost every night where I would like find her on the couch and I'd tap her and nudge her and tell her like hey da 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 whatever. And, and, you know, I loved her to death and, and, you know, that's never going to change, but this is the reality of what I grew up in. And so like when I got out of the military, I told my wife like, no, 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 I have to go to work. No, right, I yeah. have to, I have to be making money. I have to be doing these things. And it, it took me being at the security job, going through really bad alcoholism, going through really bad depression where I wasn't seeing a therapist anymore. And telling my wife, like, you know what? Sitting in a car at night by myself for 12 hours with a gun yeah. is probably not the best thing for me to be doing. No, not and either. that weekend I quit. Good. She told me, she was like, you need to quit that job. You need to fucking focus on making yourself happy. And I mean, I'm blessed. A lot of people don't have... Uh, a spouse that's willing to. Yeah, I was to, just gonna say that. Yeah, I have, I'm I'm dating somebody right now. We've been together for two two years and some change. And um, I'll tell you, I've never been more present. Every day is like a, I'm present in the relationship. Yeah. Um, and it feels like two people who are like we're in this constant compliment circle. We yep. We're both artists in our endeavors and how we work. And we're both like, you can do this. You can do this. Yeah. Even if the world is against us, or it seems like if I've made up this illusion that there's no way I can get what I want, yep. she's like, that's just bullshit. <laughs> she yeah, like yeah. sweeps the curtain away and I get a moment of clarity and I'm like, damn, all right, yeah, let's go. Finding somebody like that or a group of people like that yep. who can do that, those positive people will help you switch your life over immediately. Yeah, man. So, all right, so now you're doing music, you're yep. about to record this album. You're writing a book. Yep. Um, what else? Are you painting pictures too, or like? I, yeah, I, I mean, mean I, so I, that's I, a I joke, dabble. But... I guess I dabble in in all that kind so, of stuff. But so... my three focuses really are um, the things that I. You know, it's weird because I, as a writer, I wasn't one as a kid to read books. I was a kid that read comic books. Yep, me and too. And I was. I'm covered in tattoos of right? comics. Yep. Yeah, go ahead. pop culture is, is, is a huge deal to me. I've, I'm still all over it. But um, writing 
lyrics is really where it all started. Um, and it was because I started listening to Tool. And mm. Maynard or James Keen, I don't know how he goes. What if he just goes by his stage name or? Yeah, yeah. Well. But their front man, Maynard, is uh, one hell of a fucking writer, man. That dude knows how to say stuff, stretch metaphors. He's he's amazing. Yeah. His works in that and how much passion and how much time he puts into that. The band collectively putting time into their music too, and how they 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 maneuver through an album or what they're writing, all really inspired me to like think outside the box at a young age. So I was able to come to that and use that as my healing thing now. But um, my three focuses are acting because it allows me to break out of being Joshua Bray. Mm. Um, especially when I was going, when I got retired and I was getting in, in, into school, one of the first things I did was I went into theater arts because in my head somewhere this of this crazy, beautiful mind of mine, my consciousness is like, do theater arts, you'll free yourself. And the yeah, rest yeah. of it was like, I hate the world, I'm closed off. And I was this shell of a man. I didn't let anything come through, nor did I really care to let any emotion out mm. for anybody to see. But I got into this theater arts class and it cracked that shell wide open. Um, my teacher, Jessica Weaver, gave me a platform to just be anybody but myself. Yep. And that really got me out of seeing the fear that was overwhelming, but to see myself as just this overwhelmed being. And when I could zoom away from myself, or figuratively get away from myself, I could start to identify the problems. And the artistic outlet of it, the imaginative part, was boundless. There are no boundaries on how I could approach how to handle this. And I yep. was like, fuck, dude, I could just act like somebody else and get away from being myself. Let me, let me just feel what it feels like not to have this problem. What if I never joined the military? What if I never lost anything? Mm. And then I started writing, um, getting more, more and more into those metaphors and deeper and deeper, um, using the book as a creative place to um, tackle my nightmare issues and then write funny stuff if I was feeling playful, but be yep. more present. And so the three focuses, acting, um, my book series, and then singing and singing just because of, of being a kid it's the easiest way for me to express because if i'm angry i scream i write a screaming song yeah, it's yeah. metal as hell and if i'm like romantic <clears throat> i write a sensual song and i play it for my lady <laughs> you know yeah I mean? man well and the funny thing is like it's two things that that you said uh in this podcast that really hit me was um essentially you said like you have to love yourself like accept yeah. yourself for who you are and I think in that, life in general, yeah, yeah, that's like the no, main thing. No matter yourself, what, make yourself happy with your works, with your your life, with your relationships. Yeah, and I think like again, like growing up, like I I was in this um, this bubble of what life was, where like you had to have this image, mm -hmm. and like my mom would be like, oh, if you cry, like stop crying, you're not yeah. a little girl, yeah. Yeah. and like you know whatever, like I and I just grew up that way, and like it was. Whatever it was, like, it was like, it formed this thing where, like, whenever I would have a feeling that did not fit the character that I was supposed to be, uh, I was angry at myself. Yeah. And, um... Like you were failing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was almost like, yo, man, you're not supposed to feel this way. You're right. a grown man. Yeah, or, why are you crying because a song is playing? What is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and, um... So one of the biggest things, and this is like in the last six months of my life, I have learned, and I'm not all the way there yet, but I have learned to accept myself first. Yes. And like, I've dabbled in, in stand-up comedy, 
Yeah. Uh, I've, that's I've, brave, man. Yeah, that's yeah. Brave. I've, um, I've done this podcast, and there, and I can't tell you how many times I've recorded a podcast of me ranting, and then I just deleted it. But that helped. Yeah. That helped me because at least I said it out loud. Man, and you, that's the same thing with writing. A friend of mine asked me, he's like, how did you even start writing a book? And I said, I just got on the computer and I just typed a bunch of shit down. And none of it made sense. I mean, I knew what I was going to say a little bit. I wanted to talk about Simon Hush and I wanted to do this. But I was just like, oh, no, he's going down the road and he's eating a cheeseburger and blah, 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 blah. And then I found out halfway through that I was going to edit it anyways. Mm. Ten years after that, I found out that most of my time was re-editing my yep. book. Yep, and yep. now we're 20 years into it. And I'm still, I'm just now getting to the point where it is at its best. Man. So everything is all refining. Yeah, man. And then um, the second thing is what you said about your creativity and what you said about singing was like, it feels like you're a child. Like, like that's mm -hmm. like a child. Yep. Um it's kind of like what we said like earlier in the podcast is like go back to those moments where you were most happy yeah and and revisit it and sit on that and yep. think about it and say like hey why why would why was i happy at this moment and the funny part is like i said like i had this memory block of like things that i that i had totally forgot yeah and um one of them was playing pool and me and my brother were playing pool and that's where we got into this conversation and ever since then, I go to play pool once or twice a week. Yeah. And and it's just because like That's that changing your pattern into yeah. those positive steps that we yep. were talking about earlier. You know, and, and it's not, it's so, it makes so much sense to me why back in the, the time of really being immersed for the second time, having to recall the bad things that happened, why I was uh, unable to recognize one, good moments ha happening around me, but good things that had happened to me prior. And if it wasn't for the therapist that I was going to, because he's the only one that's ever done this, he was like, hey, all right, we spend a lot of time talking about these bad issues. Yep. Let's talk about some good things, you know? And we'd close off and I would walk out of there and I'd be like, it's like a balance. I knew I was tackling issues, but I also knew that there was something good. And then later mm. on in, in my life, I was able to go, man, those are good things. I remember feeling good about wanting to be on stage, you know? Yep. And I'm nervous about being in crowds. Why was I happy about this? Well, these memories were about creativity. And that all guided me to where I am now. Yeah, man. And that, that yeah, that's, that's pretty much... Finding those positive places yep. to start moving your life into using those... What are, I guess that you would call them like um, when you're filling out a thing that you want to go on a journey on a, a roadmap, right? Yep. And then you got these little pinpoints... Yeah. So mine were all like pinpoints of bad memories. But then when he started telling me these things, I started getting these different tacks and like pinpointing good memories. And now in my life, I feel like I've spent a lot of time recognizing how it felt for those bad memories. Yeah. But now I understand that that's not the way I should be feeling and moving in life. I should be moving to where my memories feel good and I feel able to be present, not restricted or holding regrets from those previous experiences, but learning from them and then moving away from that bad lifestyle. Exactly. You know, coming to the gym, uh, quitting drinking, yep. finding things to do with people who are positive or inspiring, you know, things that help you get out of the, the negative life. All those things um, I attribute to, one, uh, my artistic endeavors, two, the therapy uh, and the therapist for being able to tell me that I could do both. And then 
being able to have the bravery to identify both mm. to say that there is a positive side not just a negative side you know yep well it, damn i'm gonna i'm gonna get this wrong or i i might get this one right this this saying it's in um x-men the 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 new the new x-men movies or whatever and it was he was talking to magneto and he was trying to get him to control his powers and he said true focus is between rage and serenity yeah and um i've learned to live in that space the i live in a space now where like i know the outcome of an angry me yeah oh yeah and then i get to i get to throw the football to the happy me because I know that outcome too. Yeah. But if I if I wasn't able to recognize both outcomes, then I would play that really dangerous game of not knowing who's waking up in the morning. Yeah. You know? And so I think some people and I hear it a lot and this is like one of the main reasons why I wanted to make this podcast was because I think a lot of people that go out and they give advice, they haven't lived through half the shit that they're giving advice for people to do. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not talking about like starting businesses and stuff like that, but I'm talking about like um, dealing with, you know, your mom passing or dealing with, you know, you getting medically retired or going through that situation or, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, that's why like I changed the whole entire format of my podcast from like being just about fitness to like, I just want to hear people's stories. Man, that's the best thing too, because isn't that what we all want? I mean, all we do is collect old shit because we want to know what it was from and yep. why they had it and what they did with it or dissect what their their language was. All we do is want to know everybody's story. You yep. know what I mean? That's all we're cons- that's all we concerned about. We we spend millions of dollars to watch movies mm. about something that happened hundreds of years ago. Yep. And they may not even be right then, you know? Exactly. Yeah, man, so like, and, and that's exactly what it is. Like with the giving advice and going through situations, like people need to have other people that have scraped their needs. You know what I'm saying? And um, I just think that like, there's value in us having these conversations. And when I, when I, when I started the podcast, me and my buddy Ty, um, we actually did a podcast called Men in Mental Health. And it was, a, I think, hour, two hours, maybe two and a half of just me and him talking about mental health. Yeah. And the reason why I felt it was so important to make that one of the leading episodes is because, man, when I was growing up, like, you couldn't tell anyone you were depressed. No, you couldn't not tell. at all. Because and then you'd be made fun of, you'd get ridiculed. Yeah, it's in your, thing. like, you it's... Put down, basically, yeah, well, at it the was bottom like, of the, the totem pole, and everybody was like, that dude's fucked up. Well, like, even in the military, it's even more. Yeah. But then, like, something... So I, I, I heard this joke, and, like, it is a funny joke, but it's not funny when you think about it. It's like, depression isn't real, it's all in your head. That's the joke. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that's the thing, is, like, people consider like mental health and mental illnesses as like the joke whatever. is yeah, that yeah, yeah. you're you're really hiding who you are yeah in this world full of people hiding who they are that's exactly. the joke everybody's got this issue you know yep. in some form or another we have all experienced something that has made us grow it could be most likely trauma because friction causes sparks man yep you know I and in life 
That's what happens. I don't know a single adult. Now, now that I'm an adult and I have a son, like, you see it everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's like, I don't like, even got something going on, but they're all lying. They're yeah, all like, yeah. I'm fine. Well, Everything is great. It's so hard because, like, I, I, I remember I was talking to somebody and we were talking about like how we would raise our kids and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And I was just like, you know what? Like, the only thing that I want when my son is 15 and he comes home and he had a bad day, I want him to be able to walk up to me, cry, yeah. fucking whatever it is, and be so knowing that I'm gonna embrace him with love that no matter what he tells me, he knows that like, I'm there. Right, that's a real relationship, man. Let, yep. me, let me say this, make this perfectly clear. As a father, one of the things I, I really had to learn too, um, especially with daughters, is that um, it's okay for you as a guy to have the same emotions as what we all think that all women are, which yep, is yep. not true. You know, we're all just human beings and we all have emotions and they're all supposed to be felt. That's how you make judgments. Yep. And this whole lie about you're not supposed to judge, that's bullshit. How do you know better if you can't judge? If something is giving you anxiety and you try to hold all that shit in, yep. it's gonna fester and it's gonna hurt you. But if you have the relationship like this, where your son is able to come home and be like, Dad, I fucking, I don't know how to do this. I'm crying, I'm messed up. And this girl, I really like, I just don't yeah, know how to exactly. talk to her. Or this guy, I really love him and I don't know how to talk to him. Or whatever it is, yep. there is going to be a, it's going, it's going to make your relationship stronger on both ends with you, with yourself, because you have self-love and confidence that this person is also going to be like, I can tell them anything. And your relationship in that is just gonna grow. That needs to be the world, man. It has to be, the world has to get to a point where we can be like, it's okay for you to be human. Yep. <laughs> Experience well, your emotions. Man, you, again, you hit the nail on the head. And so before I ask these two questions, um, yeah, I, I hope, and I said this in another podcast, uh, maybe like my two podcasts ago that I put out, um, my hope is that by the time my son is an adult, we live in a world where caring about other people matters more than judging them. Right. And, and like putting on this facade of who you are and what you, you know, and I'm not like, I'm not being, again, I'm not like all, you know, be whoever you want or like identify, like I'm not saying that, but I am saying like, whatever makes you happy, do it as long as you don't hurt anyone else. And I'm hoping that like, when right, my son- It's not much to ask yeah, to yeah. just be a good human being. Be a good human being. Be good to pursue, other people. Pursue happiness. Yes. And, and like, whatever. And, and that's where I, that's the world that I want my son to live in. I don't want my son to live in a world where like, he has to be ashamed that he has feelings or he has to be ashamed that whatever, because my, I'm, I'm such an open book to like my wife. And, and one of the reasons why I married that woman is because like she was the first woman that I could ever like bounce ideas off of and I wouldn't get judged. And I wouldn't like whatever it was, whether it be like, hey, I wanna do a podcast. Hey, I'm really fucking depressed. Hey, yeah. whatever it is. Like she was one of those people, like one of the few in my life that wasn't like, oh, you have a problem. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. Um, yeah. That's important. Yeah. Somebody who knows that you have an issue that you're struggling with or issues, but they don't see that as a problem. They just see that 
you're in a place where you're dealing with something, you know, I guess I'm saying that wrong. Even though they can identify that it's a problem, they don't judge you for it. Yeah, yeah. You know They're what not I mean? They don't hold that against you. Again, exactly. There you go. So, last two questions. The first one is, um, so you went through some shit in the last, how old are you, man? 38. 38. In the last 38 years. Yeah. And honestly, man, like, I think you're an amazing guy and you really have, like, even if it's just the beginning, I think you've come out on the other side better and, and, and uh, you see the light and you see a, a life worth living. So like what lesson would you um, want the listener because if, they're, uh, if they've listened all the way to now, they've found value in this. Right. And so what lesson do you think is like the biggest lesson you learned um, through this process of like going to school, military, after military, um, things like that the biggest life lesson that I have um, and it's crazy because I think about it a lot um, especially after getting to a point where you look at your life and you could just throw it away mm. I if there's anything that I would tell anybody if it's the only thing I could leave you with it's do more to amplify your self-love so that way you're more loving in this world Mm. Do the things that make you happy to live your life, to look in the mirror, to see yourself and be like, damn, dude, I love being you. I love being me. You know what I mean? Yep. Do those things because the happier you are and don't do them with any negative intention. Don't do anything to hurt anybody else. Do things to positively increase everything that's around you. Self-love is the driving force that's going to do that. If you mm. do everything out of love, then you're going to have happiness around you. Yep. And if you can walk away from negativity and leave it alone, let, them, let it be negative on its own, encourage yourself to grow even more, you're going to get more love. So self-love, that's where you have to start off because if you don't love yourself first, you can't love anything else. At least that's what I believe. Yep. All right, man. And no, that's so true. And, and that's something that's always, um, I feel as though it's always ongoing. It's always the you know, it, it never stops. You have to continue loving yourself through every stage Keep of your life. Finding things to make yourself presently happy. Yep. You know? And then, um, so the last thing is, and this is always like, I've been doing this the last couple podcasts and it's really, some people are like, oh, I don't know what I would say to this. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so I'm a firm believer in like, the, I, I told you before we started recording, like I, I have this idea in my head that on the day that I die, my wife and my son are going to say that I made their lives better. And through this podcast and through the things that I want to do in my life in general, I hope that on the day that I die, I've left a legacy of like, this guy really, really wanted people to be happy. He really wanted to help others and he really wanted to change the world for better. Um, so if today was it, what would your legacy be? Or what would you want your legacy to be for the people that knew you, the people that loved you, and the people that got to experience you? You know, um, so again, we come back to that. When you get to a point where you could throw your life away or it's been a place where it's been on the edge and you know that it could be gone in a moment mm. when you're standing there and you've experienced that or if you can grasp the concept that your life is always in a temporary form for, for this human experience then you, you find value in it. Mm. And in that pursuit of trying to clear out the traumas, understand my life, get to a point of self-love again, 
be happy about what's going on in my life. I started, like I said, I poured myself into these artistic things. And really, my book, if you dive into it, if you go and you read between the lines, if you're good at discovering or uncovering metaphors, which I think are cleverly written in there, but maybe not. Yeah. But if you really want to know how I want to change the tide of negativity in this this world, in this of my human experience, it's that I'm trying to write this. It's not even that I'm trying, that I wrote a book that really is moving in a direction where the thought is outside the box. And that's what I want the world to live with. I want them to all know that your imagination is not controllable. You can, your imagination is meant to perceive anything that's impossible to make it possible. Mm. You know, flight was impossible. When you were a baby, walking almost was impossible. But you saw it, or in your mind's eye, you could see that you could make these mechanics of flight. You know, whatever it is, your imagination is boundless and doesn't need to be conformed to anything else except for whatever you're desiring to create. A good life, you know, a rocket that flies to the edge of space in warp speed, whatever it is, your imagination is the key to life. And that's the legacy that I think all of us have, mm. is how we have this, this wonderful power of imagination and creation. And then what you can use inspires people to change their lives or change the lives of everybody else around them. Mm. So that's, I think that's what I would say, imagination, getting the world to recognize how powerful their imagination is, is what I would leave behind. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, do you have, you um, do you have Instagram? Do I do. Have... So my Instagram, um, if you really want to follow me, I would follow my book page, which is Land and Brary and the Land of Nod. And I'll be doing live reads. I, I'm a huge Supernatural fan, the okay. TV show Supernatural. And um, I actually went to high school with one of the guys. And we were, we were not really friends or anything. We were nice to each other because he was a year younger than me. And we were in an after-school program and also in theater arts together. Okay, awesome. But we were just like, you know, he's that guy that you were like, yeah, we were in class together, but we didn't really know each other. Yeah, yeah. But anytime I saw him, I was like, what's up, dude? Or he was like, hey, what's up? And the last time I saw him in person was like right before he got um, into this movie, I think, called The New York Minute. And anyways, long story short, I saw him at H-E-B, he waved at me, and the next thing I know, I'm in the military, and he's in the show Supernatural, mm. and I'm hooked. One, because I'm like, I know that guy. We went to school together, and I'm like, let me check it out. And then all of a sudden, the show is just completely badass. Then I find out the same guy, um, Jared Padalecki, Sam, um, he suffers through um, anxieties and all kinds mm. of stuff. And so they developed a, with him and the, the group, the cast, they're really loyal to their fans, so much so it's a, a big family. They made Always Keep Fighting, which is a, a group that really helped me when I felt alone feel connected. And I was able to be like, I have people who are going through this. And he's going through it too. We went to the same place. I know that I've seen something and he's got something and she's got something mm. and everybody else has got something. So that, that whole thing really like played into my, my book. And with my book, I'm doing live reads on Land and Brary and the Land of Nod at, during this last season. It's kind of my way of saying goodbye to Supernatural, you know? Um, so every Thursday, Mountain Standard Time, right after the show, I'll be doing the most terrifying thing to me, which is reading aloud. Yep. <laughs> and, and like one, combating my fear of that, but two, um, just sharing my book with everybody. Because I know in this world, it, it, you, we're surrounded by making money, but there's also something that's really it, it makes me feel like I get paid when I share my book 
or my art with people who really dig it. Yep. You know what I mean? And it almost feels just like the money. Although the money gives me food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still nice to have the same thing. So I'm, that's what I want to do. I just want to help people. And I've been giving my book away to, to veterans for as long as I can remember. Even when it wasn't really finished. And I was like, all right, dude, there are going to be a bunch of mistakes in here. But yeah, I hope yeah. you enjoy my book. And now it's finally at this position where it's not. So because of Supernatural having such a huge and wonderful impact on that time when I was both suicidal and just really like I need to, I needed a group, I needed to feel something. That was one of those positive outlets for me. Awesome. And that's why I'm sharing my book now. So follow me on Land and Bray in the Land of Nod. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Cool. I appreciate you so much, man. Thanks, brother.